Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Joyce Barry and Friends, the number one worldwide radio show. The show's outrageous and it's contagious. It will lift your spirits high, you'll feel that you can fly. Transform your attitude, fill it with gratitude. Cut loose and improvise, it's coaching time today. Joyce is a great coach with an extraordinary approach. Fast on the upbeat, top of the heap. A wild motivator, great simulator. Unstoppable in a humoristic way. Life lessons with passion, joyfully today. You want Joyce as your coach if you want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be my best year ever. I want this to be your best year ever. I want this to be the best year ever for our friend Michael Somerville. I want this to be the best year ever for all our friends worldwide. Welcome to (laughs) Joyce, Barry, and Friends. We are broadcasting live across America and around the world. This is the Hour to Empower with stimulating talk, views you can use, memorable quotes, and powerful life lessons. We always have hot guests and cool topics. We even have cool guests and hot topics. You always want to tune us on, tune in, and tune up with us to hear the best of the best. You do not want to miss any of our shows. Each show goes into our archives. Log into Joyce Barry and Friends.com, Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and you will see each guest and each topic on our homepage. You can play and download any of our shows, always informative, inspiring, and motivational. You want to share these special shows with your friends, family, and contacts. You can follow us on Facebook and become a Joyce Barry subscriber and even a fan by going to our Joyce Barry and Friends fan page. Be sure to check like. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us by going to our Blog Talk Radio homepage and clicking follow right below my picture. You can also message me in any of these venues about our show, about our guests, about anything. My official website is JoyceBarry.com. Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E. The chat room is open. Log into the chat room, have fun, and chat away. I go back and forth into the chat room during the show to see what is going on in there. Motivation, inspiration, and an education. Positive, happy thoughts to improve your life, health, and finances. Take positive actions to create a gratifying lifestyle. Life lessons from me, your host, Joyce Barry, straight from the Coach's Corner, and then you will hear from our wonderful guest today. Folks, every day should be treated like a special day. We wish you the finest of friends, the opulence of opportunities, the magic of miracles, and the happiest of days. May this year be your best year ever. Indeed, your best year ever. Ever, ever. First, I want to welcome our special guest today, Michael Somerville, and then we'll get right into our fun celebration all about April Fool's Day. So, folks, I want to say surely you're no fool for listening to us today, and we welcome you to listen every day. So who is Michael Somerville? He tried stand-up comedy on a dare while a student at the University of Notre Dame. He was soon emceeing fighting Irish pep rallies and growing 70 uh, sideburns 
to do extra work in Rudy. Upon graduation, he moved to New York City, took a job in advertising, but when his neck became irritated from shaving every single day, he retired to pursue comedy full-time. His first job was dancing in a pink bear suit at a bar mitzvah. He was hooked. Since then, Michael has carved a unique niche in entertainment, a comedian, television host, writer, advice guru. There isn't much he doesn't do. Michael wrote and hosted the reality show Wingman, imparts humorously insightful advice on the Hallmark Channel, and just performs stand-up on The Late Show with David Letterman. He also serves as a panelist on various programs with VH1, Bravo, and the History Channel. He spent three years as Glamour Magazine's renowned dating columnist, Jake. Michael hosted shows for Nickelodeon, Stars, and Encore, and contributed to numerous publications from Time Magazine to Maxim. His two comedy CDs, Welcome to Somerville, and Handsomely Disheveled, play in regular rotation on satellite radio. In his free time, Michael likes sleeping late in fettuccine, loathes the sound of honking horns. When generally convivial, he is most fun after coffee. Michael, I just have to be sure. Did you have your coffee today? Because we want to (laughs) count on you to have fun. I had two pots just for this this interview, so I'm ready to go. (laughs) Yes, you sounded. So first of all, a warm thank you to our friends at the New York Comedy Club who introduced us to you, Al Martin, and the people there. Um, I have very fond memories of it myself because I taught improvisational classes there for years. Uh, Michael, given it's April Fool's Day, have you – utilized April Fool's Day at any time where you played pranks on people? I no actually. In fact, I I kind of, it's one of my less favorite holidays because of that. I never quite understood you basically lie to somebody and then make fun of them for believing you and I, I had a friend once tell me on April Fools he said I'm getting divorced and I said oh my I'm so sorry and then ha ha you April Fools you're an idiot and I just I said I don't understand how that that's not very nice so that's never been my favorite my favorite day how about yourself um, I pretty much, uh, never, well, I never played pranks on anyone. That's not my style, but then I have to ask you, have anyone played a prank on you besides that one? Was there other things? Uh, that was something. Was there anything else? I no, I, I think it's the little things, you know, that they do a little, oh, I, you know, I lost, yeah, once in a while, a buddy will text me something silly, like he, I just, you know, lost a bunch of money or something, or I just, you know. I can't. I, and I, I just never Harmless. understood. I write. Yeah, yeah. But kind of silly, as I say. You're basically lying to someone. I don't. I don't that's not my. That's not my style either. <laughs> so when I called you to be on the April Fool's Day show, you didn't think it was an April Fool's Day show. <laughs> <laughs> well, you called me. You March didn't consider 25th, that so. possibility. <laughs> well, you called me March 25th, so it wasn't really. <laughs> but no, today I listened to your show and I said, oh, no, this sounds, she sounds legit. This sounds like. It is the real deal, Michael, and I know you are the real deal. Folks, April Fool's Day is always celebrated on April 1 and celebrated in many countries, sometimes referred to as All Fool's Day. April 1 is not a national holiday, but is widely recognized and celebrated as a day when people play practical jokes and hoaxes on each other, even sending them on fool's errands. Elaborate practical jokes played on friends or relatives might last the entire day. Even the news media and major companies sometimes get involved Whatever the prank, the trickster usually ends it by yelling to his victim, April Fool. The history of April Fool's Day, sometimes called All Fool's Day, is not clear. There is no first April Fool's Day that can be pinpointed on the calendar, although it is known to date back at least to the 16th century. We do not know the exact origin of the day. It appears to have a number of possible oranges, uh, origins, and many of them have evolved 
from any number of them from any of the countries that participate. Some of them date back to the days of the Roman Empire, believe it or not, and most historians believe that April Fool's Day originated in continental northern Europe and then spread to Britain. And so April Fool's Day is an opportunity for playing jokes or tricks on one another. The stranger and more absurd, the better. The challenge is to carry out a trick that is believable, if only for a little while. Tricks are most successful if played earlier in the day before a person is wise to what is going on younger children are obviously more gullible any tricks or jokes must be harmless and in good taste for the unsuspecting victim and we suggest to you think twice before pulling one on the boss even if he or she knows to be of good humor so we're going to have fun today michael it is april fool's day but i have to say to you you are no fool in accepting my invitation to be with us today (laughs) well thank you for having me i absolutely enjoy to be here I am so uh, delighted that you feel that way because I feel that way about having you as well. So uh, some of the things I read about you I found fascinating, starting with uh, where you were a renowned dating columnist, Jake. I can't remember seeing many dating columnists that were male. How did you get involved with that? (laughs) Well, that, yeah, it turns out the Glamour Magazine column is uh, one of the oldest dating columns in the country. It started the same year as Dear Abby, I believe, in 1956 or so. Um, But I do comedy, stand-up comedy. I do a lot of jokes about relationships. And the editors from Glamour happened to see my show in New York one night and said, you know, we we would love to have you contribute. You have some not only some funny jokes but some real insights and some funny takeaway. Would you want to write a column or some freelance columns for us? And I did that. And sure enough, um, the, the person who writes their column, uh, you're not allowed to be married and, and write the column of Jake. It's one of their rules. So the guy who was doing the column got married and had to give up the job. And I stepped right in and did it for three years. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know I had any real takeaway or insights on relationships. And I think a lot of the women that I've dated would, would say I don't. But <laughs> sure enough, the readers loved it. So, <laughs> What made you leave after the three years? Sounds like you were on a roll. It's a, it was a lot of fun. They, they usually try to rotate the writers every three or four years just to get a new point of view. So I had a three-year contract, and that was sort of that's kind of how they do it. And then they go and they find somebody new. At, at the time, I actually was in a relationship, and I think they thought that okay, let's get somebody you know new and just a fresh perspective to keep it you know keep it different, I guess. Uh, but it was and a lot of fun. You- once you got married, you were no longer welcome as the Jake columnist, you know, or the prior people before you? That's correct. They're, one of their rules is you can't be married and do it. I'm I'm not married, but um, the rule is that you can't be married. And I think, you know, the thinking is because if you're married, you're not out there dating, hopefully. <laughs> you're not out there dating if you're married. And um, so, yeah, they want somebody who is kind of, you know, still plugged into the dating scene and, and whatnot. So that's their rule, which was a wonderful excuse, by the way, to have. If I was dating somebody at the time, I could say, oh, I'd love to settle down, but contractually I'm not allowed. <laughs> I get it. I get it. So yeah. my question is, you're highly intelligent, you're articulate, you're fun, you're into comedy and humor. How did the women let you get away? <laughs> I just, well, easier than you think, I think. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I've had some wonderful relationships. I am I'm not married yet, and I think part of it is just a function of um, the job that we do. I'm never in the same state for more than five days, so it's a little hard to maintain a relationship for over a period of time. Um, some women I've dated have actually, my last girlfriend really liked it that I was gone. She said, oh, I get to see you, but then you leave and I get to hang with my friends. And that worked for her for a little bit. But when push came to shove, she said, nah, you know, I mean, I work nights and weekends. And when you think about it, that's when most people are free. So it's it's a little challenging. I have to find the right one. It's always about the right one. So I know you've been on Letterman several times. Uh, Letterman, I enjoy his show. I enjoy him. He's moving on. Ever considered taking one of the talk show host spots? I absolutely would consider it if they would offer me one. Um, I, I grew up, you know, watching Carson and Letterman was always on TV. I have older brothers, so as long as I can remember, there was, you know, late night TV. Um, and I would I would love to host a talk show. Um, and I mean, <laughs> 
at this point, they haven't called me, but if you know anyone, let them know I'm available. <laughs> they haven't called me either, so I don't feel yeah. so bad. <laughs> so when you were on Letterman, let's, I, I know you do an awful lot in Las Vegas as well, uh, and you do your stand-up. Is most of your stand-up as regards to dating and relationship, you seem to like that topic? I do. You, when you first start doing comedy, you, you sort of write about everything, your life, your family, anything that comes to mind. And I noticed early on that audiences were really responding to my relationship material, and uh, both men and women. Sometimes when a comic talks about relationships, they, one, you know, women might be getting insulted or men might be getting put down. But for me, I was able to kind of toe the line where both both liked it and you know laughed at my material. So I think you just I started gravitating that direction when I kept writing more and more material. I said, All right, well that's what they're laughing at. Let me you know, let me keep going that direction. Um so yeah, I still talk about family and, you know, dieting and all the others we all go through, but I would say relationships are the kind of the big part of my, my performance. Well, throughout this show, I would love you to uh, give some of your stand-up routines, you know, parts of it, however sure. you choose to do it, starting now. Yeah, Go ahead. Well, it's, fun, it's funny that you should say that because I actually am going through a, a moment right now. I, I, I just I gave up on my uh, New Year's resolution. Uh, I was going to train for a marathon, and then uh, today I was like, uh, no, I'm not. That's <laughs> just it. I celebrated <laughs> with some nachos. Um, but it's funny because I, I, it's funny you ask me at a time like this because I do find that I, I, we're all thinking about getting in shape, and I find my definition of being in shape is changing as I get older. Like when I was 18, I wanted to look great when I was naked. Now I just want to look good when I'm dressed, and I think eventually <laughs> I will be happy to look fine from a distance in the dark. Uh, but but I do know I have to get started because you know it's time to diet when you unbutton your pants and the zipper opens itself. <laughs> that's the point. That's the point we're at. Um, but I'm just, I'm not a big fan of manual labor. Like, I just don't like working out. Women are always like, your hands are so soft. What's your secret? I don't use them. That's the, <laughs> that's the shortcut. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have to whip ourselves into shape here soon, but it's not happening right now. <laughs> I got to tell you this. I've had professional comedians on this show before, and just in the couple of minutes you're on, I have tears in my eyes. You're much funnier than any of the prior ones. So I'm already going on record as saying I want to have you back. <laughs> well, thank you. That's awfully nice of you. Thank you. And fortunately, your show doesn't start too early in the day that I can be up in time for it. So this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have tears in my eyes. I just find you hysterical. And we uh, only well, just started. We've only just begun, Michael Somerville. <laughs> Where could the hour lead? Nobody knows. <laughs> Well, I just want to also come back to the fact that it is April Fool's Day, and I, I want to ask you, why is everyone so tired on April 1st? Why Is everyone tired? Yeah, why is everyone so tired? You were talking about energy and stuff like that. Why is everyone so tired on I, April 1st? I, well, I don't know why that would be. I mean, I think this particular year, I, I know a lot of people are exhausted from the winter. Um, anyone who is, uh, you know, most places in the States, it was a long, cold, gray winter. Um, and perhaps that's part of the reason. But for me personally, I, I'm a comedian, and uh, I get to I mean, if you're not getting enough sleep, you should become a comedian. Like, I, this is all I have to do today. I'm going back to bed as soon as we get off the phone here. That's great. <laughs> so, I, I never have a, a problem. Well, the I, real I, reason, and you were kind of close, is because they've just finished a long march. Mm. Okay. Well, that makes sense. All right. So next is, uh, I just have four questions for you. What would you get if you crossed Halloween with April 1? What would you get if you crossed Halloween with April 1? I don't know. April Ghoul's Day, G-H-O-U-L. Uh, April Ghoul's Day. And what's the best day? Here. I see what's happening. <laughs> what's the best day for monkey business? What's the best day for monkey business? Hmm. I don't know. What is it? The first of April. A P E R I L. Oh man. <laughs> and then finally, what's the difference between Thanksgiving and April Fool's Day? Well, I feel like I should be able to figure this out by now. I'm starting to see a pattern. Um <laughs> difference between what's the what's the question of the difference between Thanksgiving? And April Fool's and April Day. Fool's Day. 
Something about a turkey, maybe? On one, you are thankful, and on the other, you are prankful. <laughs> These are, you know what? I think you should stick with the life, life motivation stuff, Joyce. I don't, I don't think stand-up's in your future. <laughs> I didn't think it was either, but I have to really acknowledge it is April Fool's Day, so we got to make some reference to it. Because uh, I invited people to have April fun on April Fool's Day. Okay, so getting back to you, um, how did it come about that Letterman found you or you found Letterman? I mean, that's big-time stuff to be on Letterman and several yeah. times. No, Letterman is, uh, it is, it's kind of the Super Bowl for, for a comedian. And um, it's actually it's a great story. I, I was on the road for about three weeks, and I got back to New York where I live, and I had a late-night show, 11 p.m. show out in Queens, and it was cold and raining, and I just didn't want to go. And But I've never canceled a show. I always say, you're, you know, you're lucky to have the work, and you got in this business for a reason. And so I, you know, took out the umbrella and trudged out to Queens for an 11 p.m. show um, in the rain. And sure enough, the, the new booker for Letterman had just moved into the building next door to the club and wandered over. It was in the back of the room during my set. And at the end came up and said, you know, do you want to be on Letterman? <laughs> so it was a true just like paying your dues and, and always you know, going out and never saying no kind of story. And uh, within a few months, we had worked on a set and they had me on. And I've been on three times since, so we had four total appearances, and it's uh, it's one of the coolest things I've done in my career or in my life. Yes, I agree. It's very, very cool, and I'll have to get to YouTube and see if I can get those and see them as well. But it is cool. Him, Leno, I grew up watching all those guys as well. Um, I understand you had some sort of encounter with Brad Garrett. I'm also a big Brad Garrett fan as well. Sure. Well, that's one of the neat things about doing comedy is you do, you get to just come across these people and meet them in clubs. I mean, you go to a comedy club in New York City and Jerry Seinfeld might stop in and do some time. So it's a really wild thing to see these people that you grew up watching on TV. Um, and just briefly to go back to Letterman, that was one of the neatest parts of doing the show. I was standing on a stage telling jokes, and behind me I could hear Letterman with that classic laugh, laughing at these jokes that I've written. And I said, this is, you know, surreal. Um, and, yes, the same thing with Brad Garrett. Brad opened a club at the MGM in Las Vegas, and um, by sheer coincidence I happened to be working in Vegas, and he saw me and liked me a lot. Uh, and so he had a, a, a job. He was performing up in Woodstock, New York, um, at, a, at a theater, a casino. And he said, would you like to open for me? And I said, absolutely, that would be amazing. So a few days before this show, he calls me and says, listen, I have um, a jet, a private jet going out of Teterboro Airport, small airport in New Jersey. So instead of driving up the eight hours, do you want to just come on the private jet? I said, oh, my goodness, of course. And it was the coolest day. I, I took a bus out to get to this little airport, jumped on this private plane with Brad Garrett. There was a limo on the runway. He took us to the casino right after the show, right back to the, the airport, and boom, with a 45-minute flight later, we were back at this little airport in New Jersey. Uh, whirlwind story, you know, and we get off, and he has a limo waiting for him at the airport. Well, it's 1 o'clock in the morning, and I hadn't thought that far ahead about how was I going to get home or anything. So he and it's closed. The airport, you know, there's no cabs, there's no cars. It's a small private airport that's closed. You can't even go inside. And he said, "Are you are you okay?" Yeah. And I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, of course. I, I have a car coming. You know, I just didn't I didn't want to be the the knucklehead in the situation. Oh no, I'm fine. You go ahead. My car is going to be here in a minute. Coming. I didn't. I don't have enough money to get a car. So I called my mom. I'm standing there in the middle of this runway in this airport at one in the morning, and I called my mom and asked her to come pick me up. And <laughs> I've gone from this incredible private jet with a sitcom star to calling my mom and sleeping in my childhood bed that night because I couldn't get home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't mm. even imagine getting on his private jet. Was it awesome, the it experience? Was very, oh, it, was an, it was an amazing thing. I mean, I just, uh, you go through and they, they you, it takes off whenever you're ready. I mean, you just, you, you, oh, you ready to go? Sure, ready to go. And it waits for you when you sits on the runway and waits for you to be done with your show. I mean, I can say I've never done anything that 
that neat and that, you know, fun, but I can see the attraction of, of that over regular commercial flying. Boy, that's that, that was really cool. <laughs> very, very cool. Um, I heard you, you say before uh, you had a, an experience with Brad Garrett as well. I really like Raymond's brother. I, I was always a fan of that show. Uh, what would you yeah. like to share about you and Brad Garrett? What? Obviously, I missed the question. You, what, what would I, I said, like what would you about? like to share about your encounter with Brad Garrett? Oh, Brad is one, truly one of the nicest, genuine people I've, I've ever met, uh, both in the business of entertainment and in the real world. He's genuinely a, a nice, caring guy, um, and he's, he really wants to help and give back to younger comics, which is why he offers things like the opportunity to open for him and um, really, truly one of the nicest people I've met in the business. And if you're in Vegas, there's clubs at the MGM Grand. Make sure you go hit it up. It's Brad Garrett's Comedy Club, uh, and it's a ton of fun. And he's there probably about once a month. He'll do a week there, so you could actually get to meet him and uh, see him live. You are saying he has his own comedy club. Uh, is it within one of the major hotels? It is. It's in the MGM Grand. And it's, Oh, Wow. Yep, wow. yep, we opened it about three years ago. They opened it up, and uh, it is. It's a beautiful club. He, he, Brad was, uh, he, not a lot of people know this, but he won Star Search back in the 80s, and he spent a lot of time opening for uh, Vegas Act. He worked with Sammy Davis. He opened for Sinatra. He spent a lot of, and he's always had a real affinity for old Vegas, kind of the loungy feel and that kind of old-school Vegas look. So he built the club exactly that way, a kind of an old speakeasy feel about it with big, comfortable chairs and uh, built it from the ground up from scratch. And not not anything, not a detail is missed. He really, a beautiful, beautiful club, my favorite place to perform in the country. Wow, that sounds very exciting. I didn't know he was doing that well because you don't hear much about him since the Raymond show kind of stopped. Is, is exactly. there anyone else? Is there anyone else that you'd like to share some warm, wonderful experience about? <laughs> well, I'm having a good time with you. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> so You'll I put me in the... your repertoire, no doubt. <laughs> no, one of the nice things about being a comedian is I, I, you know, comedians, I, to me, are always very, they're real people as opposed to sometimes, you know, a movie star feels a little bit, you know, kind of detached or and not quite in the mainstream. But as a comedian, um, I've, I've gotten to work with um, I've gotten to work with Ray Romano and uh, Arsenio Hall. I just worked with Arsenio Hall last month in Los Angeles, um, and it was one of the things I love about most comics are just very real people. They're down to earth. I've got to, I've worked with Leno. Um, I had dinner with Jay Leno, and all he wanted to do was talk about the comedy clubs. You know, oh, did you ever go to that club in North Carolina? Did you ever do this? And so at the end of the day, I mean, they're they're really just kind of grounded real people that you can talk to, uh, which is something I've always loved about uh, comedians in particular. I mean, they're very plugged into society and very real people. Um, and not to say, you know, movie stars are not, but, um, you know, comedians, we travel around and we, you know, we live in, in these people's states and they come to see us in their clubs. And um, so I feel like comics are you know, really just sort of plugged into the country. I got to say, from that whole group of late-night comedians, I mean, everybody will say that Carson was the king of comedy, uh, and he was. He was extraordinary. But I love Leno next in line. I loved him more than any of the others. I found his opening monologues to be the very best. Yeah, yeah. He And he was he's a real – he's a workhorse. He loves jokes. He loves writing jokes, and he loves crafting them. He loves the whole art of a joke. And um, he every Sunday night to this day he still performs down at the Hermosa Beach Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, California. And because I would go watch him sometimes when I was in L.A. and he would bring just a stack of jokes that he and the other writers from the Tonight Show had been working on and hoping that he would test them out right there in front of this live audience before uh, he did shows for the week before he did the Tonight Show so he could see which ones were good, which ones had potential. And so that was really neat when I, I got to see him working on these jokes. And then during the week, I would watch the TV show. And sure enough, there's the joke that I saw him working on. Um, yeah, it was really good. So when Leno is hard. in Vegas, does he have a place that he calls home there the way Garrett has the MGM? 
No, no. Brad is the only one, I think, with, um, yeah, with his own club. Um, but Leno, Seinfeld, those guys come to Vegas and just do a night in the theater. They'll go to the Mirage for a night or two nights. And often they just swoop right back out on a, you know, they fly back home that night. They don't even stay over. Um, but that's a very different life. I go for seven days. We have to perform at the club for seven nights, which is a long time to be in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, when you think about it, it took God seven days to create the world. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not nearly that's as productive on my seven days in Vegas. I don't get nearly as much done, but. What I do do is I try to pick a casino game. I'm not a huge gambler, but I, I'm there seven days, so I try to pick a game, and I try to learn it during the week. I say, okay, let me figure it out and try to get good at it. And last time I was there, I picked uh, Blackjack 21, and I, <laughs> I tell you, I'd be a millionaire if the game was called 23, because that was a number I was very good at getting. <laughs> I just, get it. It's just, it's just too much pressure. you do you got to do math in front of all those people, you know. <laughs> I just... I wanted to bring a calculator to the table. So I think I'm going to stick to, to video poker. That's my <laughs> that's what I'll do next time. Oh, that's funny. Uh, you have to promise me that when you run into Brad Garrett again in Vegas, you give him a message from me that I want him as a guest on my show. I will certainly let him know. Please promise me you'll let him know. I absolutely do. I can't promise that he'll call you, but I can certainly. No, I know that. I know you can't speak for anyone. But he, I, I really miss him with the Raymond thing. His facial expressions, his demeanor, he was hysterical. Yeah, yeah, um, he is. And the show is on a lot. I mean, you, it's on in reruns all the time. Yes, so, I watch uh, it again. Yeah. It still makes me laugh, even though I've seen them all many, many, many times. <laughs> I, I agree with listening. you. You're listening to Joyce, Barry, and Friends. And now I want you to listen to our health guru, Beverly Nadler, who will give you many reasons why you should be listening to us every day. It's certainly healthy and healing for you. Listen to me. I have something to say about a wonderful way to start your day, a way to stimulate your mind and increase your energy, make you feel so good. And guess what? It's free. Weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern, hear the Joyce, Barry, and Friends show. You'll find it on the Internet, on Blog Talk Radio. This show is upbeat and fun and very inspirational. It's informative, educational, and very motivational. There's the Coach's Corner, great quotes and news. There are suggestions perspectives, and advice you can use to enhance your life and improve your health, plus clever, simple ways to increase your wealth. Joyce's perceptions and personality will keep you captivated, and her guests from many walks of life will always keep you fascinated. When Joyce and her friends speak, it's like you're in the conversation. This is part of what makes her show so unique, really a sensation. For Joyce's friends are not only the guests you're listening to, they're everyone who is tuning in. Yes, I do mean you. So refer your friends and family. They'll be so pleased to know. And let's make Joyce, Barry, and Friends the number one internet radio show. And, folks, we invite you to partner up with us to have that happen, to be the number one Internet radio show. Simply go to Joyce Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E, and friends.com, and right under my picture on the upper left, it says follow, and if you click on that, you will get an email about every show, every guest, every topic. You need not miss any of them. If you're not available to hear us live at 11 a.m. Eastern, know that you can hear us 24-7, because all shows are archived. Michael, let me go back to you, back to uh, whatever topic you'd like to talk about with one of your stand-up shticks. The other one had uh, tears in my eyes, but since now uh, the tears are gone, I want to get them back. So please go to another routine. <laughs> well, I, I've also been I've been traveling a lot, as I told you, when we're trying to schedule this uh, this interview, and um, I, I do. I, one of the things I love about the job is, is I travel. You learn a lot from traveling. For example, staying at an embassy suite does not give you diplomatic immunity. 
that was disappointing <laughs> to me. Um, I've stayed in a lot of not-so-nice places. Last week I stayed in a $29 hotel room, and my room had a safe for my valued possessions, uh, so that's where I put my chocolate chip cookies. Um, but <laughs> I am trying to be better on the road with with my diet on the road because I, I it's hard to eat well when you travel. I, I don't have any control. Like, I eat too much on the road. I ordered room service the other night, and they brought the food with three sets of utensils because apparently that's how many people they thought should be eating what I had just ordered for myself. So <laughs> I'm trying try to do a little better with my, how much I'm eating. But um, but no, it's been it's been fun. And and uh, I, the only thing that drives me crazy about I think is traveling is people get so impatient now with everything. Uh, I was on a flight last week and we were delayed on the runway, waiting to take off. And finally, the captain came on and said, you know, unfortunately, we have an engine light on. We have we can't get it to go off. We have to go back to the terminal and figure out what's wrong. And everyone on the plane was like, come on, let's just go. And I, was, I was the only one that was like, no, let's check the engine, actually. It's a much better plan, I think. So, yeah, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the parts of the job that I do like. I was in Chicago last week, and a woman came up and said, excuse me, are you famous? And I said, apparently not. Uh, that is the uh, definition of not being famous right there. But, uh, yeah, so we're working on it. We're, I, we're trying to get bigger. I think it's going well. My college asked me to come back and speak at career day, but I suspect it's a ploy to confront me about my loans. Uh, so <laughs> in the meantime, we'll just keep, keep paying the dues. That's all I can do. <laughs> Michael, I kid you not. I've had comedians over the years, but none of them come close to you, none of them. You are <laughs> well, really that funny, and the tears are back. Yeah, more tears? Okay, good. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yes. Yeah, tears yeah. of joy and fun and humor. Exactly. Let me take a moment and share some of my favorite quotes for April Fool's Day. April 1, the day upon which we are reminded of what we are on the other 364 days. And let us be thankful <laughs> for the fools. But for them, the rest of us could not succeed. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That was a Chinese proverb. He who is born a fool is never cured, another proverb. I hope life isn't a big joke because I don't get it. That by Jack Handy. <laughs> and this one I've heard many times, but I never knew it was Abraham Lincoln that said you can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. And the trouble with practical jokes is that very often they get elected. That's Will Rogers, and very true to this day. And this one, <laughs> which I'll ask you to comment on, by Rita Rudner, says, Men reach their sexual peak at 18. Women reach theirs at 35. Do you get the feeling that God is playing a practical joke? Your comment <laughs> on that, Jake. <laughs> that is great. Well, that's, I mean, you could do – Rita Rudner is one of, one of my favorites growing up. And, uh, yeah, I think you could – that's why you could do entire shows based on men and women and how we're different and relationships right there. I, I, I think, you know, from romance to just the simple day-to-day -day stuff, uh, yeah, that's, that's what it's about. I find that I know I'm in a relationship when uh, when my wardrobe starts changing because I think women start dressing their men. That's how every time I know I'm. That's how I know I have a girlfriend. It's all of a sudden she makes me wear sweaters, <laughs> and I, you know, you see a man in a sweater. He's in a relationship, and pretty soon she knows your wardrobe better than you. You should wear your brown turtleneck. I'm like, I have a brown turtleneck. It's in your armoire. I have an armoire. What are you talking about? I, and for, for my birthday, my, my last girlfriend gave me a cashmere sweater, and it looks lovely when you wear it you go to wash it no 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 hand wash only might as well say disposable i mean i'm not gonna hand wash. so i took it to the dry cleaner <laughs> to let him do it the dry cleaner wanted eight dollars to clean this thing i was like how much just to do the armpits that's all it really needs right there so <laughs> but yeah men and women is an endless source of material no question Michael, you really, really are funny. I'm having a great time. This show can go on for a long time because I haven't laughed this hard. And so I guess since, <laughs> Let since Leno left, because I found him to be the funniest. Uh, so along the lines of what you were saying uh, and relationships and all of that, a mother takes 20 years to make a man of her boy, and another woman makes a fool of him in 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that one, too. <laughs> yes. I hope I'm giving you some new material that I get in the credits. 
I will footnote you, I promise. (laughs) Okay. Um, Clifton Paul Fadiman says a sense of humor is the ability to understand a joke and that the joke is oneself. So do you like poking fun at yourself, and how do you feel when other people do that? I absolutely I I uh no my the I, the crux of my comedy is is sort of self-deprecating laughing at myself and I think it's I I think it's a wonderful thing in in general in life for a person to be able to laugh at themselves I think it's you know it's not a sign of uh, being weak I think it's a sign of confidence and strength to be able to laugh at yourself um so yeah much of my comedy is is kind of me putting myself down a little or laughing at myself um I try because otherwise you know you're kind of insulting somebody else which is not the nicest thing in the world to do um but yeah no I I'm fine with it I I don't however like when um when other people will like sometimes I'll do a funny post on Twitter or Facebook or something a joke that's kind of laughing at me and then people will sort of are trying to be funny, they'll pile on or they'll, you know, try to make a joke at my expense. And I say, hold on a second, you know, I'm allowed to do it, but this is not open season on Michael, you know. <laughs> you can't pile on. So, yeah, I don't like when other people, you know, make a joke. About, well, I don't mind if it's teasing it in good fashion, but some people aren't uh, aren't as good at it, I think, as others. So, uh, but, yeah, laughing at yourself is a wonderful thing. And I've always been attracted to people, in, in particular my relationships, the women I've dated, uh, with people who are able to laugh at themselves. Um, and from a family of all boys, I'm the youngest of three boys. Uh, I mean, God knows I, you, you have to be able to take a punch because uh, we, we definitely had our share of ribbing growing up. Oh, for sure. I don't think it's easy to be the youngest. The middle might have been a little easier. Yeah, yeah well, I don't know if he would agree, but <laughs> whoever you talk to, they think they had it the hardest, right? Well, I always say, you know, everyone thinks the youngest has it easy. Oh, your parents took it easy on you. You're the youngest. More like your parents ignore you. Uh, I was born. They're like, your name's Michael and there's food in the fridge, all right? Because they, they already had two boys. Nobody wants the third boy. My parents wanted a girl. My brothers were hoping for a dog. Um, so I, <laughs> yeah, I think they just kept me for tax reasons, honestly. So, yeah. <laughs> wow! So that's what, to have you that's come up in the mix instead of a girl or a dog—that's got to put a lot of pressure on you, Michael. <laughs> well, that, I think it's part of why I do stand-up. I just wanted some attention, you know. I said someone has to listen to me for a change, and I did have a real job when I first got out of Notre Dame. I got a real an office job in New York because I'm not a morning person. Uh, when I got the job, they were like, "You can start Monday, 9 a.m.," and I was like, "What time can I start Tuesday?" <laughs> Michael, I love you, Michael. I'm telling you, have an open invitation to be back. Um, oh, just well, keep you. those jokes coming. You're fabulous, fabulous. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I'll try to keep it up. <laughs> and I know it's not easy when you're in a studio, you know, telling jokes versus a live audience. So I appreciate that as well, folks. Michael's website, Michael Somerville, S O M E R V I L L E one M two L's, as he would tell you, Michael Somerville. Com. Michael, why don't you tell them a little bit about your website and give them a reason to go check you out? Oh, absolutely. I, my website, uh, as you say, right there on the home page, there are links to everything that people do now, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, videos on YouTube. Uh, so if you want to watch any one of my four Letterman appearances, you can click on that. You can read some of my old columns that I wrote as Glamour's Jake. There's a link for that. Um, and then, yeah, follow me, you know, whatever, Twitter, Facebook. I try to post a funny joke every single day. That's something to make people smile through their day. And then, of course, my schedule is there. I'm touring constantly 300 shows a year all over the country. And uh, so the chances are good I'm going to be near somebody's neighborhood. If you want to come see a live show, I do you know, everywhere from New York to Florida to Vegas and L.A. That's uh, wherever they let me on stage. So you can see all my dates there and come to a show. And on Facebook, uh, which I want us to be friends immediately after the show, is that michaelsomerville.com? Uh, I mean, at Facebook slash Michael Somerville, would he use a middle initial or anything else? It's just, no, just the name Michael Somerville. And, again, on, on the home page of my website, there's actually a link to, to my fan page, my Facebook fan page. And then I think you and I probably will have, you know, our personal pages probably have, I'm sure you and I have mutual friends in common. 
it always doesn't it always amaze you when you you find someone on Facebook and it turns out you'll, you you know you know a hundred of the same people and <laughs> yeah it, it does indeed. Uh, what also amazes me all the people that you know request to be a friend that I have no idea how they know about me or why they're asking me. It, it's all a, a big game. I think it's fun, but uh, we get the word out on Facebook and Twitter as well. I de- definitely want to follow you, only as long as you can keep me laughing. When that stops, then I don't know. I'm kind of fickle. Uh, I'm very fickle. I see. So you're just in it for the laugh, huh? Right now, you're filling a tremendous void left by Jay Leno. <laughs> okay, I see, I see. Well, those are big shoes to fill. I have a lot of work cut out for them. Absolutely, <laughs> and big cars to, you know, to uh, follow as well. Michael Somerville, S-O-M-E-R-V-I-L-E.com. That's the website. I can't wait to go and click on all those links and see uh, the stand-ups with Letterman and whatever else you have up there. I promise you I'll do that every time I, I get a little sad or I need to hear another <laughs> joke. Now I know where to go. Absolutely. Now that's uh, that's the, the joy of it. I try to just do something, and I, as I said, I try to post a funny joke or a thought every day, or a funny picture, or just anything, just to kind of you know people going through their day and, and having sit in traffic and things are you know down and it's raining. And, oh, here's a little joke, and so. You know, I, I enjoy that in my own life when I see somebody else making a joke. So I try to. I think that's a blessing. I think that's a great contribution to people. Uh, folks, let me also direct you to my website. It's Joyce Barry, B A R R I E dot com. That's my official website. I'm a success coach. I'm also a home business guru. So those of you that want to make extra money and want a home business, uh, you might want to check that out as well. I'm a professional and personal coach, so we do cover all the bases. I'm a master coach wherein I coach other coaches. Joyce Barry, B-A-R-R-I-E.com, countless uh, testimonials from all over the country, people just like you. Let me just share some of my favorite endorsements. And that's a technical glitch that isn't working. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's Did I when you're on music? live. <laughs> no, um, let me go to find another one. That that's about being on live radio. Take there another moment. That first time that hadn't worked. So let's try again. Here Joyce Barry is an outstanding success coach. She is a master coach, the best of the best. Here are just a few of her clients who want to endorse her. Marlon Brando. Hiring Joyce as a coach is an awful you can't refuse. President <laughs> Bill Clinton. I did not have sex with that woman. I did not have sex with Joyce. She is my coach. Sylvester Stallone. Yo, Adrian, Joyce is the best coach, you know. She helped me train for Rocky. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I hired the Joycenator because no matter how much I may drive her crazy, I know she'll be back. President Ronald Reagan. Well, Joyce, uh, Nancy and I just love you. There you go again. Win one for the Barry. Elvis Presley. <clears throat> I'm all shook up about hiring Joyce as a coach. I'll get a little less conversation, a little more coaching. Jack Nicholson. If you could handle the truth, you want Joyce as your coach. Johnny Carson, I can hire Joyce as a coach. I did not know that. That is wild. <laughs> did you know that, Ed? <laughs> Charlie Sheen, winning. That's because Joyce is my coach. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Woody Allen, are you crazy? This whole time I haven't had Joyce Barry as a coach? Are you kidding me? Hi, Ted Siuba, and I think and grow rich. If you were thinking about hiring Joyce Barry as your coach, just do it, and we'll grow rich together. And even Joyce Barry herself. What do Olympic athletes have that you don't have? A coach. Hire me and have this be your best year ever. If not now, when? I want that gold medal. I want to hire me. Email coachjoyce at AOL.com. That's coachjoyce at AOL.com. 
Coach Joyce at AOL.com. Send me an email. Uh, in the subject line, put Michael. I'll know what show you are listening to. And I will give you a free consultation on what it's like to work with a coach to see if you resonate with that, to talk about having a home-based business, um, see if that's something that interests you. Free consult just for sending the email to Coach Joyce at AOL.com. And in the text, just put your name phone number, best time to reach you. And I'll be happy to give you that all that information at no charge. So, Michael, I mean, you go to these uh, Vegas uh, hotels and have, you know, incredible people in the audience. But what did you think of my celebrity clientele? We even uh, brought some back from the dead. <laughs> quite an impressive list you have. Yeah, a lot of, I didn't realize that many people were a big fan. My goodness. Yeah, presidents <laughs> and, and celebrities across the board. Yeah, you really have quite quite a following. <laughs> yes, and you might say that you know people that have big followings, but how many people do you know, Michael Somerville, that can bring them back to the de- from the dead to mm-hmm. include an endorsement? I mean, that alone, I would think, should you should have a line out the door so people who want your coaching, because that's something that not many people claim. So, yes, <laughs> you're impressive. And those contributions were from our friend Kirk Fitzpatrick. So oh, great um, impression. Really, yeah, appreciate him. Because to this day, and I hear it on almost every show, and it still makes me laugh so hard because he nailed it so well, I think. Yeah, he really uh, does. It said that young men think old men are fools and that old men know that young men are fools. And wise men learn by other men's mistakes and fools by their own. A wise man gets more use from his enemies than a fool from his friends. Wise men talk because they have something to say. Fools talk because they have to say something. So, Michael, if you had to say something to leave our audience with a message, what would that message be? <laughs> well, I don't know where I fall in that whole, if I'm a wise man, a young man, a young man, I'm not sure which one of those I may be. But I, have to I tell suspect you, all it's I, all of the above. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> if I'm the court jester, I don't know where I am. But I, I always I laugh when I hear those jokes because I feel like grown-ups. When I was a kid, I thought grown-ups were so impressive and wise and worldly. Now that I am one, I, I don't know. I, think, I, just, I look around at my friends. I say, I, you know, they say with age comes wisdom, but most of the friends I have are just getting older. I don't, I don't see the real wisdom part of it. But, uh, no, I, if anything in life, and this is something from my family, if I were to, to say something uh, serious, it would be to laugh. I uh, grew up in a family where we laughed all the time, whether things were good, things were bad. We always found a reason to laugh and to smile. And um, that's, I think, a large part of why I got into the career that I did. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, to not take yourself too seriously, to smile and laugh uh, every single day of your life, because it's not only healthy and good for you, but it makes you feel good. How old were you when you started on this path? Um, how and what had you get on the path? I, you know, it's funny. I never planned on being a comedian. I thought growing up, I thought there was only three jobs in the world. You were, you know, a businessman, a doctor, or a fireman. I, you know, I just didn't know that you could. And watching Carson on TV, that wasn't even a real thing to me. Hollywood might as well have been on Mars. I never. It just didn't seem like a real job or place. But when I um, I messed around with some comedy in, in Notre Dame, I tried it there on a dare. Even then, never considered doing it. But when I moved to New York City, um, you know, I met all these people that were doing all sorts of different things in life that had all different types of jobs. And it really opened my eyes to the fact that you really could do anything. You didn't just have to get a briefcase and a suit and go sit in an office building. You could do anything. So I started checking out open mic nights in the city. And like we said, New York Comedy Club and Al Martin uh, was one of the first shows I ever did. And um, that it just kept going well enough that I took the next step. I said, oh, well, I'm young. I'm single. Let me, let me, oh, maybe I'll give it a try and, and hit the road a bit. And then I quit my job and let me give it, you know, I'll give it a year. I can always fall back on my degree or go get a real job. And just slowly but surely, I assessed every six months and looked back and said, well, it's going, it's going well. You know, I'm getting more work. I'm getting more money. I'm getting, and it's hard to know if it's going well because, there's no, it's not like a job where you get promoted and get raises. You kind of work for yourself. So 
that's why being on Letterman or something like that is such a great thing because you say, okay, well, that seems like a, a, a sign of things progressing. Um, but, yeah, it's been an awful lot of work. And, uh, I've, you know, First of I've all, Michael, what the, was the job that you quit at the time? What job was that? I was at uh, the advertising agency. I worked um, as an account executive at an advertising agency in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, you know, I, I was fine. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but it seemed like, you know, working with ads and making TV commercials seemed like a fun thing. Um, but, yeah. I, I, you know, I, the funny thing about that is, as an account executive, my job was to kind of stand up for the client and say, "Here's what they tell the creative people who are making the ads. Yes. Here's what you have to do." But I actually always agreed with the creative people. I said, "No, I think it's a good ad, and I think the client's wrong." So that's my, my first inkling that maybe I was, uh, you know, shouldn't be doing this job when I, <laughs> I was supposed to defend the client instead. I said, "No, I think the creative's <laughs> doing a great job." But, um, but yeah. It's been an awful lot of work. I've made a lot of sacrifices. I've missed weddings. I've had wonderful relationships with incredible women, you know, not survive because of the the toll that this business takes. But I've had my eye on the prize for a long time and, um, you know, going well. I'm not giving up at this point. Definitely never give up. Um, I know that you um, are very proud of yourself for having appeared on Letterman several times. But in all due respect, Michael, how does that compare with being on our worldwide radio show? This is no comparison at all. Letterman, I was on for five minutes. This is a full hour of us live. And having heard all the reviews from Jack Nicholson to Ronald Reagan, I've heard all the people who, who rave about you. So, yeah, there's there's absolutely no comparison at all. <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you said that. That alone will give you a ticket to come back here anytime you want. <laughs> I've got tears in my eye yet again. Uh, so with that, with Brad Garrett, like you've had some really in- extraordinary people, uh, you know, around you. And I just want you to know that for me you're an extraordinary person. Oh, well, thank you so very much. That means a lot. I really do appreciate that. And the fact that I make you laugh, it makes me feel good. So thank you. Yes, you really did make me laugh. And as I said, I've had other, again, professional comedians, but I think maybe they had trouble pulling it off for the stand-up because maybe they needed to see their audience to be in front of them. I didn't find them funny, to be quite honest with you. I didn't invite them back. But with you, I said you have an open ticket anytime you want to announce something, anytime you have a need to make people let Whatever the reason is, the answer is yes. No, well, thank you very much. I will definitely take you up on that, absolutely. And I'll be sure we tell everybody about the show and, and get you, uh, yeah, get people listening. Yes, and use your influence, Michael, to make sure they know this far exceeds anything that Letterman could offer you. <laughs> or, or Leno or Brad Garrett. How can you possibly compare? Like you said, this is an hour. You only get a few minutes with them. Exactly. Uh, so you never look back, you know, in terms of leaving the corporate world to do, uh, to be a major player in this world. I, well, you think about it sometimes when you see friends, you know, having, uh, I don't know, owning homes and going on vacations, and you know, once in a while you say, oh gosh, did I, am I doing the right thing here? And and you know, maybe it would be easier just to get a job and. But uh, no, I you know I think that's anything you do in life, right? You you're always going to have you know, a little bit of a doubt or question or just think things through. I think it's part of making good decisions as you you consider the pros and cons. But no, ultimately, um, when I'm standing on a stage and, and seeing a, a sea full of smiles, you know, coming back at me, I know I made the right choice. And now I know if I ever go to see you in person, I need at least a full box of tissue to wipe the tears from my eyes just to make it through the show. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I'm going to put that on my resume. Yeah, bring tissue. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad it's a good kind of crying. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to absolutely. Make it, yeah. Yeah. And I, if you write a book, if you whatever it is you do, and you need an endorsement, I may not be have a name like those stars that that acknowledge me, but I'll certainly always uh, have an acknowledgement, a tribute to you. Well, I appreciate that, and you're the only one um, of them that I have the phone number for. So, I'll <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be hearing from me. <laughs> you're so quick. <laughs> oh God.
God, Michael, you are too much. All right, what are the we're we're uh, getting ready to wrap up here. What would you like to leave our listeners as we're wrapping up? I uh, just thank you guys for listening, and and thanks for having me on the show. Uh, please get in touch with me online, as we said. If you if you ever see me nearby and performing in a town, send me an email, and we'll see if we can get you guys tickets. And and keep on laughing. Keep on laughing. Leave them laughing. Michael Somerville, S-O-M-E-R-V-I-L-L-E dot com. And in closing, I first want to say, Michael, thank you so much for jumping in, taking a chance, and, you know, that on this April Fool's Day, it wasn't just another April Fool's joke. Uh, Folks, in closing, I want to share this uh, prayer that I wrote for you all. Make this the last day, the very last day of your struggles, your suffering, your ill health, your misfortunes, your problems, your pain, your worries, your troubles, your trials and tribulations. May this be the first day. It is the first day of the rest of your life. May it be the beginning of the very best of your life with extraordinary wishes granted and dreams coming true. Make it the most meaningful year of making more money, good health, good luck, good fortune, attracting special people and opportunities, creating magical memories and manifesting marvelous miracles. Folks, I'm a big believer of miracles. I believe they're all around us all of us. They're around you. If only you believe in them and are open to receiving them. Celebrate the miracles. Celebrate the opportunities. Celebrate the people in your life, the good things that will come your way. Here is our celebration song. I was listening to Blog Talk Radio when my ears heard something that I did know. From the speakers of my laptop, I heard a voice. It was the white Oprah, also known as Joyce. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. Joyce Barry mash. She is a coaching smash. He did the mash. You'll catch on in a flash. He did the mash. The Joyce Barry mash. I felt so inspired by her show and her poetry was just so good you know i want to listen to joyce again and again as joyce would say if not now when he did the mash the joyce barry mash joyce barry mash she is a coaching smash he did the mash you'll catch on in a flash he did the mash the Joyce Barry Mash. Wow. Joyce knows all about having fun. Wow. She's a home business wizard and she's just begun. Wow. She's wow. a coaching sensation for not just me or wow. you or her. It's for everyone. You can mash. Do the Joyce Barry Mash. Joyce Barry Mash. She's a home business smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can mash. Do the Joyce Barry Mash! (laughs) Have a fantastic day and listen to Joyce Barry and Friends.